0: Today's message is entitled, Waiting in the Place of Worship. Waiting in the Place of Worship. Uh, And this is something that is very needed today. and something that I've kind of discovered uh, again (laughs) this past uh, weekend. Uh, This past Friday, Saturday, uh, I was actually in North Jersey, so really far away in uh, Paramus. I was saying it wrong (laughs) earlier, (laughs) and Will corrected me, but... um, Uh, We were there for a uh, college department meeting for um, the campuses that, you know, I'm a part of reaching out to. And we had like a New Year's worship and got to worship with uh, some of the young adults and college students at the church and um, got to praise together with them. And it was just a time of blessing. And everything just was it just flowed where. The praise led to the message, which led to the response. And um, God was working in such a, un- just a unique way for our college department and for uh, the young adults that are part of uh, these campuses and really have a heart for evangelism to take place. And if you boil it down, what, what, really, um, what really was working, what was, what was happening was we were in that place of worship. When we're in that place of worship, that's where transformation happens. That's where our hearts change. That's where our thinking patterns can change. It's the more we enter into that place of worship that we really find healing. Some people might say, I, I, I go to church every week, you know, um, I don't see any change. And something to ask ourselves today is, how are we waiting then in the place of worship? And when it comes to waiting, Waiting is difficult, it sucks, right? It's horrible. Uh, Why wait, right? Uh, When we, like if you go to Disney World, there's that fast pass, (laughs) but even fast pass is not fast enough because there's another line there. (laughs) Yes, it's shorter than the regular line, but it's it's pretty excruciating when it comes to waiting. But the question I wanna ask everyone here today is what kind of waiting do you do? Let me explain. <laughs> this is not the type of waiting that you might be thinking of, but are you waiting in the wrong place where everything is wrong? Uh, I gave another example earlier today for our, our Korean service, but then um, my mom reminded me of something even more hilarious. Um, so there was a time <laughs> when we were, uh, my family were to fly out to the West Coast uh, because my cousin was getting married. So we decided, let's take the whole family and fly over to the West Coast. And we were running late. And because we were running late, we were just, you know, driving real fast. My dad was driving at the time. He was driving real fast to the airport. And we arrived at Dulles Airport. And we were, like, trying to find the shortest line to to get to the teller and, and, you know, book it to our gate. But the line was long. Everything was just long. It was just, like, made for us to miss the flight. But somehow we found the shortcut, <laughs> as you tend to do when you're, when you're late. And we got to the teller, and they were like, oh, here's our tickets. And they look at our tickets with a weird look. Yeah. And they are like, like, you're at the wrong airport. <laughs> and we're like, oh, my gosh. We paid this much money. Is there any way to get reimbursed? And we had to book a completely new flight and kind of had to give up <laughs> the money <laughs> for that first flight. When you wait in the wrong place, <laughs> everything is wrong. <laughs> uh, and it's horrible. You, It's... it's <laughs> The praise that my mom was singing at that time was, this is my story. (laughs) That's what she told me. (laughs) That this is, you know, it it happens often. (laughs) You you can kind of interpret it that way. But waiting in the wrong place, everything is wrong. But there are times where we're waiting in the right place, but you happen to be standing in the wrong line. And this is where my story comes in. (laughs) Waiting at Costco. (laughs) Um, If you buy tires from Costco, you can get free tire rotations. I set up an appointment, went, and then I saw two lines. I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to stand on the shorter line. And I was waiting. No one was being serviced, so everyone was waiting. And then the person that was in front of me, they they looked pretty frustrated, and they left. So I was like the only one in my line, and this line kept on growing, so I was like, something doesn't seem right. The worker would probably say something to me, and then, like, 20 minutes passed and I was way over my scheduled time. So then I was like, oh, uh, excuse me, am I standing in line? And he goes, no. <laughs> I was like, I was standing here for like 20 minutes, you didn't see anything. <laughs> I was in the right place, but I was standing in the wrong line. So no matter how much I complained, I had to go to the end of the regular line and wait for my turn. Uh, and yes, it was it was very frustrating. Waiting in the wrong place, everything is wrong. <laughs> Waiting in the right place, but wrong line, you know, frustrating as well. Worship can be very similar, too, right? The only difference is you're in the right place. <laughs> but are we standing in the right line? And what are the lines that we can see? Is a line where we're kind of expecting God's promises we talked about you know our expectation versus god's plan this is expecting god's plan all right so this is a good kind of expectation that we can have for worship another line that we could be standing is <laughs> exit <laughs> you're already thinking about what to do next after church and everything and that's not bad i'm not saying don't do that at all you know i'm 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 scheduling too however If that's the only thing you do when you come to church, it's like, how fast can I get out of church? (laughs) Then we have a problem. Then there's an issue where the worship is not really worship. It's just a time waster for you, right? And these two lines are day and night. Just like I was standing in the wrong line at Costco, like it's day and night. I don't get serviced. Everybody in the right right line will get serviced. And this is where a lot of times we can end up standing. Even me, I can be guilty of this too. But if I'm expecting God's promise, even as a pastor, even me preaching, I need to expect it too. I need to be blessed not not because of me, but because of God's word. And your responses to God's word, you know, through our time of prayer or through conversations that we have, becomes a blessing to me. When you guys receive, when everybody in our church, our congregation receives answers, that's a blessing to me. So if something does happen, please let me know. <laughs> I would like to be blessed. Um, and through our prayer time is a time of blessing too, where I get to hear. And that's why I ask like, oh, is there anything that, you know, you, you received during, during um, today's message? Even one thing. Because that's something that not only you can take with you during the week, but it becomes a blessing for me as well. And a reminder is like being preached back at, you know? So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I have to remember too. And this this is where worship comes alive. So once again, what kind of waiting do you do, right, when it comes to waiting in that place of worship? And today's passage kind of addresses what our focus needs to be, where, yes, we're in the right place for true worship to take place. Uh, Let's read this together. Ready, go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is uh, verse 1. So it says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Uh, How do we do that, (laughs) right? And it explains all here in verse 1. How do we come before God who is so holy and me, maybe not so holy? How can I present myself before this God as a holy and acceptable sacrifice, a living sacrifice, not a dead one? before God, by God's mercies. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks back, the difference between grace and mercy. Grace is being given what you don't deserve, right? Forgiveness, salvation, this is all God's grace. Mercy is taking away what we do deserve, which is God's judgment, to pay for our sins, right? If you if you broke it, <laughs> right? You break it, you buy it, right? And we talked about sin in that sense. For the wages of sin is death. So if we have sin, we need to pay with our life. But if we have multiple sins, how can we make extra lives? This is not a video game where we can earn extra lives or add more coins to an arcade to get more lives, You have to actually pay, and that's fair. But if you have nothing to pay with, then what do you do? You have to face the consequences. That's fair. But by God's mercies, right? Because of his mercies, we are forgiven and have a way to God's grace. It's all part of God's plan for humanity to be redeemed. And we are then made holy and acceptable. It's not because you did something well, that you either served well or you worshipped well or you prayed well. It's God's mercy. Like we're (laughs) we're all equal. We're all on even footing, even the worst of us. And it's by God's mercies when we approach Him that we're able to come before Him as a holy and acceptable living sacrifice to Him. This process is called spiritual worship. (laughs) This is how we approach God, this is how we access that grace that actually changes us, transforms our thinking, or inspires our thinking. Inspires even creativity. Like we we have to be in that place of worship to see these works take place. It's it's not. It doesn't have to be like wildly like supernatural, and you have to see people falling and all this stuff for it to be powerful or even spiritual. Even the early church. I'm pretty sure if you saw the early church worship, they're like you probably like wow that's really simple. (laughs) They didn't have speakers they didn't have guitars and they didn't have electric <laughs> instruments or any of that they didn't have zoom and <laughs> all this stuff they they were just true worshipers they were they came to that place of true worship and saw god move in power by the holy spirit to reach 3000 people in one go right 3000 people came to christ which represented 15 nations that when they go back, they become witnesses to those 15 nations. Like, this is not planned by people. This was all planned by God. So, number two. A lot of times, people stand in the wrong line, like we're talking about. And we have to think about our own state. It says, at the start of verse 2, actually, let's read the bold, bold uh Part of the verse together. Ready, you go. Do not be conformed to this world, right? And when you look at the world, the Bible does a great job kind of explaining the pattern that the world falls into. And it starts with idolatry. Idolatry doesn't have to be a statue. It can be, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. Idolatry is anything that we put above God. So it can be even people. Even as you know, honorable as even your family can be an idol because we place family above God. Some people might ask, what's wrong with that, Pastor? I really love my family. I think I love my family more than God. And then I'll kind of respond nicely, of course. <laughs> <You're, no. laughs> I'll say, I mean, can you, can you infinitely love your family? We're limited. Yes, we love our family. I'm not saying don't love your family. But you need to know where that source of love has to come from because you will run out. You will run out of patience. You will run out of love. You will run out of a lot of things <laughs> because just because you're human. And that's why idolatry is very dangerous because it cuts us off from one who is infinite it makes us that much more limited. That's why idolatry is so evil. Because when you think that everything is horrible, then it remains horrible because you, you don't have any more resources. That's why idolatry is very sneaky because it uses real good stuff like family. That's, that's one of the best things in the world. It makes it into something that's an idol something that makes you that much more limited. So we have to be careful, right? Do not be conformed to this world that follows this culture of idolatry, which then leads to spiritual problems, right? Where even without us in control, there are thoughts in our mind, thoughts that take place, thinking patterns that we feel that we have no control over. Why? Why don't you have control over that? why don't you have control over sleep or control over certain habits or certain thinking patterns? And this is not to point at anything that you're doing, but we have to recognize, like, mm, there might be something, you know, not only physiological, right? Take care of those parts first, right, <laughs> where you can. But th- so, sometimes when you don't change your mind, there's, there might be something deeper that we have to really address, and spiritual problems then lead to mental problems. And I don't I don't mean like, you know, just problems that some people might have that are really serious, but the biggest mental problem that the whole world faces is having no peace in your heart. You're not satisfied. Your your heart is constantly turbulent looking for the next best thing, the next best thing, the next best thing. There is no next best thing. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um It's a continual loop, right? Where you're just constantly chasing after. But you won't get it because then there's another next best thing. It's just how the world kind of (laughs) tricks people (laughs) into keep going, right? But we have to understand, right? Where am I in all this? Am I stuck in idolatry? Am I stuck in spiritual problems? Am I stuck in mental problems? There's physical problems too where, yes, with stress, no peace in your heart, it's going to affect your health. It also impacts your relationships too. There's so much brokenness in this physical world that we live in. So physical, not in only the sense of your health, but also in the sense of how you function between your communities, right? Whether it's your family, your workplace, your friends, your enemies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, you know, <laughs> hopefully not. But after we pass, there's a thing called judgment. Yes. Uh, this is not something that God, like this is something I have to explain to people. Like God doesn't want, God doesn't want to send people to hell. A lot of times people end up choosing it because they don't know that heaven is eternity with God. And There's people that don't want God. Then a place where you don't really have that much of a relationship at all with God, it it is hell. And people choose that a lot of times without understanding the whole picture of it. We only get a, um, what's it called? Uh, We only get kind of like what the pop culture says, right, of what heaven and hell is. Um, And it's really distorting what it actually is. And sadly, it doesn't just end with us. We, we pass on these patterns of living. We pass on these, uh, you know, even these, some of these spiritual, mental, physical problems, like we, as we kind of example it to our next generation, it impacts the next generation. Even if you don't have kids, you have underclassmen, you have people that are right behind you generationally that are looking at your generation Right? One way or another, we impact the next generation. And this leads to a very toxic culture. A toxic culture that is focused on just self centeredness, carnality, and a pursuit of false success, right? At the cost of others. And that's what we see. If you, if you like, hold this list and then hold the news, you can, <laughs> you can draw lines, so many lines. Like, I see this pattern. And sometimes we're stuck in it too. You know, whether it's lightly or <laughs> heavily, we're stuck here. And this is what we have to understand. Like, this is my problem, God. This is where I am. Help me, God. Give me wisdom for, you know, my workplace. Give me wisdom for my relationships. Give me wisdom for my family. Give me, wor- you know, give me wisdom, God, or give me strength to overcome my spiritual problems, mental problems, physical problems. We need to be in that place of worship. So the right line. <laughs> It's a place where we can renew our mind. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Through the gospel, you're able to test the things in your life, right? So that you can discern what is the will of God. Well, what is God's will? God's will is good it is acceptable, and we come to realize, you know what, it ends up being very perfect. (laughs) And I think this is kind of like, you know, when you fill out a survey, is it good, acceptable, or perfect? (laughs) And I think maybe this is kind of our spiritual journey, where at first, we're like, "Eh, I guess it's good enough, God, (laughs) or "Eh, acceptable, and then you realize at the end, actually, that was the perfect answer. (laughs) Um, God, he does that, you know? And sometimes it's not the answer that we're looking for, but it ends up being the answer that we need and um, it's not just being in the right place but also being in the right line and as we pursue the real gospel and I have to say, I have to preface it as real gospel because there's so many people that say that they're preaching the gospel, but they they're either preaching like tradition or they're preaching a gospel that's not a gospel, like if you worship God, then you'll become rich. Uh, That's, in in a nutshell, that is the prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all. If a gospel cannot be preached to the whole world, that's not the gospel. Because what Jesus was preaching was made available to all people, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you have very little, whether you have a lot, whether you're in this country or that country, right whether you're representing one party or another party it doesn't matter this gospel is for everyone and the real gospel is approachable and has power there's so many people so many ministries that make the gospel unreachable Like, you need to have a certain experience. You need to be able to speak in tongues. You need to be able to do this. Or if you don't do this, then you're not a real Christian. It's like, where is that in the Bible? (laughs) I can't find it. Oh, it's there. (laughs) And they're very vague about it. And so, if it's vague, a vague gospel, it's not a vague, it's not the gospel at all. The real gospel is what we can take with us into our Monday, right? That we can take home with us. That is approachable. That as we hold what is real, you will see power at work. Like me, being able to be connected to some of these college campuses or me being connected to like Belize, like these are... My heart was never on Belize. Like who who how did that happen? Like I didn't know that Belize was one of those countries in Central America that that speak English as their primary language. And it's just that was very weird. I didn't know. <laughs> I just assumed. But this is something that uh I mean, God, God God put in my way, not because I am someone special per se, but because I'm just I want to do what God wants me to do and he does that. And even for like what I'm doing is not special because I'm a pastor. It's it's available to every one of our church members where you can actually impact a nation based on who you end up meeting. Like you don't know who you meet and that person being somebody that is connected to more people. And that's why one person is so important. One person with the gospel is so important. We don't have to have crowds in our church. If one person in our church can reach one other person, that's everything. Like, that's, that's my heart for our church. We don't have to have all these seats filled. Are we, is what we're holding on to real? Right? Because if you have something real, then you have something to share. If we're here just to go through the motions and just make like a Christian club (laughs) or a Christian community center, then, I mean, that's nice. (laughs) I would love that too. But it has to be more than that where it is founded on the gospel first and we build that community from there. And so our conclusion is this. Wait in the right place and the right line, right? And that's important. And we need to have a system that is Jesus's method. Right? Not anybody else's, where we're building a place of worship. That's what Jesus did. Everywhere he he went to the temple, built a place of worship, sharing the word. When he was with his friends, with his 12 disciples, he built a place of worship conversationally. Whether he was traveling, whether he was in a town, whether he was in somebody's house, he had. Built a place of worship. And this is something that I, I want to challenge everyone here. Build a place of worship wherever you go, not just here, not just at our church. Like, yes, this is important, having our Sunday worship. But then how about your day-to-day? The important thing here is not just to, oh, I, do I have to do the same kind of worship that I do here at church at my home? <laughs> no, you don't have to. What's important is do what is doable, right? If waking up and praying a minute is what you can do, then do that. Some people might say, Oh Pastor, my brain is too foggy. I can't pray <laughs> when I wake up. Then grab a cup of coffee and then pray. <laughs> pray for like a minute, right? We have to find a way to do it. If it's something that we really like, we always find some creative way to get around or find the loophole to do it. And likewise, we need to do that with our personal worship with God. We need to find some loophole or some, some time to be able to do this. And as we do so, uh, we build answers to sow into our community here. And what we begin to see is A synergy right and synergy is basically like this ridiculous math problem (laughs) but it represents me by myself and you by yourself when we're by ourselves we're we're all one but when put together the impact is greater than the individual parts and that's what the church is That's what the early church did. They saw these miraculous works of people sharing in a very miraculous way, impacting and seeing salvation every day, not because of one person, not because of just Peter or just Paul. It was the entire church coming together for that very purpose, for the gospel. And they saw a synergy where they were moving synagogues, they were moving places of education, they're moving the nation. Not because one person was so great, but because together, they're able to see the power of God work in such a powerful way. And the power of God kind of orchestrating everybody together to carry out this work. And this is where I feel like God is calling us towards as a church of love, is really building Right, Not just a building, (laughs) a physical building, but really filling that physical building with a community that knows the gospel, that enjoys the gospel, that is in not only the right place, but in the right line to receive important answers through this time of worship. So as we hold on to today's message, let's really have that picture in mind, right? Where are you standing today, right? And what are you pursuing here today? Is it really the promises of God? Because if it's not, then it's, it's not like a, you know, tsk, tsk, tsk. It's, it's actually like there's, there's actually answers for you to see and discover. Like we haven't touched the surface yet. We're, we're still in a way beginning. I know it's been like a couple of years, <laughs> but but it's we're we're beginning, and for some people it might feel kind of like let's let's uh, you know pick up the pace. But I've seen it done wrong so many times or not well so many times that I'm kind of like really, alright, <laughs> God. Help us <laughs> take it nice and slow so I get it, so I can understand it, and we can understand it together. <laughs> and um, and I, that's something I want you guys to pray for me about too, that God gives me wisdom, right? And as a church, that we can really be moving together with one heart.